Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there, and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, your weekly Star Wars podcast, bringing you the latest news, reviews, and discussion, and our random spotlight from a galaxy far, far away. This week's a little bit different, though. We're going to scrap the news and discussion and all that uh, stuff, and we are going to dive into our first thoughts for the rise of Skywalker. Myself and my co-host are a bit dark around the eyes. We're, we've walked out of the cinema mere hours ago. So we've got got it fresh in our minds. And talking of my co-host, he is the Kyber crystal to my lightsaber, my power converter to my Toshi station, my twin sons to my Tatooine. It is Mr. Mark Asquith. How are you, you sexy bugger? Not that bothered about that Kyber crystal thing. That's a bit weird. Oh man. I mean. I know, but that just didn't, that, that, that's, there's a lot of implication that comes with that one. Twin sons, you got on board with. But that's a little bit odd. You know what I mean? Like, if anyone, li- mum, if you're listening to this, it's fine. Me and Gaz aren't seeing each other. It's all good. Well, not this week. Not this week. Well, I'm busy. I'm washing my hair. <laughs> I'm all right, bro. Listen, I am, I'm not bright-eyed. I'm not bushy-tailed. I'm a little bit, little bit sleepy. Um, off the back of that midnight screening. But I don't think I can complain because I think you like, are the ultimate badass when it comes to midnight screenings because you triplexed it, didn't you? You trifected it. You did the triple bill. Yeah, bro. What? Yeah. Man, what time did that start? 6.15. So my ass was numb by the time I was leaving. Don't get me wrong, the cinema was very comfortable. It was one of these uh, showcase deluxe brand of cinema so very nice reclining seats leather all that stuff but dude i was just wrecked <laughs> and everybody was the same as well no matter how hardcore you are i looked around at everybody's faces as we were walking out everybody had that same expression like that was amazing but i'm just wrecked i'm ready to go home and sleep because <laughs> that's like what nearly 10 hours in a cinema uh yeah it's about that eight and a bit yeah it was good. Damn. That's ballsy, dude. I like it. I like it. I like it. And it is it was what was the general excitement level? Um <laughs> I would say it was about half and half, I would say. There yeah. was a, yeah, there was a bunch of a bunch of fans that were like totally up for it. They were, you know, they were the t shirts on, they had the banter, they had all that. Then there was the other half that were just I feel like they were burnt from Solo and The Last Jedi, and they were just there to see the damage control mm. from The Last Jedi and just to see how they had wrapped it up and stuff. They weren't particularly there to to throw down, if you like, with Star Wars. But, um, yeah, I mean, in, in previous years, if we rewind and go back years and years when the prequels were coming out and all that stuff, I remember going to the cinema and seeing, like, loads of cosplayers, people with lightsabers, the whole shebang, but don't really see that much these days. So I would say it's about, it was about half and half in terms of, and it was really weird as I was talking about leaving the cinema, it was about 20 past two in the morning film had just finished. And I was like, you know, slow blinking, like, am I going to be able to drive home? Okay. Yeah, should be all right. Should be all right. And, uh, the guy that was sat next to me had a Mandalorian t-shirt on and I said, oh, I like your t-shirt. I've not seen that one before it was really really cool and then that started the freaking thing and then we were off chatting about the mandalorian and what we've just seen and star wars and then this other guy come over and he's like oh i like your t-shirt bro and he's like yeah i've just said that and then we started so like 20 past two that was when we left and i was ready to go like quarter to three still standing there talking about bloody star wars i'm like oh i love you dudes but you know i've got to go peace out 
So in that respect, yeah, there were some fans that were really up for it and it was really good. But yeah, what about you? You went to see, you went to the midnight showing as well where, where you were. Was that in uh, Sheffield? Yeah, it was. So we, it was a funny one for us because we normally do the big Cineworld, you know, one of the big old multiplexes with like the IMAX, UMAX, we all max screens. Mm-hmm. And we didn't do that this year. We did um, just like a normal... It's, it's one of these, almost like a showcase, but like it's, it's brand new. It's an Odeon that's brand new. So I think there's, I bet, honestly, dude, in each screen, there's probably only 50 seats tops. Okay. And they're all these big, giant leather recliners that go all the way back like beds. And they've got the tables that come over so that you've, you know, you've got your own little mini table and you get, we got right at the front like we always do. So the screens, like it's this mint view of it. So it was this really weird, like, um, chilled out vibe because you could tell there were, there were people there and like every screen in this cinema was showing it because it's quite a small cinema. And it wasn't like The Last Jedi where we went and everyone was, like you said, like a little, kind of dressed up. They had stormtroopers at Cineworld. It was all a little bit nuts. This one was just like, oh, it just happens to be a cinema that happens to be showing it at midnight. And there's a few people with like little Kylo Ren drinks and like Sith Trooper drinks. <laughs> and like, it, but it was very chilled out. Like it was very, very chilled out. So it felt like a little bit out of the fandom to a degree. But um, I'm glad we did that one because it was it was much easier to kind of digest it all and, and, and just kind of, you know, really be comfortable at that time of night, which sounds like I'm about hundred years old. Um, whereas the <laughs> IMAX is like, it's full on adrenaline stuff, IMAX, which is brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's, I, I think I, I do. The one thing I do regret actually is, is with that is for the same reason, you do lose a little bit of that kind of crazy. Oh my God, there's like 500 people in this cinema atmosphere. Like, like with Endgame. You know, spoilers are bound for Endgame in about a second. But when Cap catches Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, like in the IMAX, it's like everyone is like, woo, 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 woo. Um, <laughs> in the Odeon with everyone that's reclined, everyone's just like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was the only thing I'd say, dude. But yeah, midnight showing. Um, then got back inevitably. Like, I know you and I texted each other just after we got out. And I, I got home and instantly started looking stuff up on, on the web. Um, so I'm, I'm just then quarter past four wide awake, <laughs> just thinking all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, do I go to sleep you, or just power through? <laughs> I wish I'd powered through now. I think I would have felt worse, um, from going to sleep, but I wish I would powered through to be honest. But, um, yeah, it, it was, it was good to be a part of it, man. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's the, the, the final piece uh, of the saga as we know. So yes, midnight showing all the way, brother. Indeedy. Yes. Uh, before we get cracking with our thoughts, uh, as we mentioned, it's going to be a slightly different show. We're not going to do any news or anything. It's so just going to be our first uh, thoughts on the rise of Skywalker. And we need to make this crystal clear. There will be spoilers. We will be talking heavy spoilers. We're not going to hold back or anything. So if you've not watched the rise of Skywalker yet, don't listen any further, unless you're okay with spoilers. That is, that's all good, but uh, don't, uh, uh, don't be thinking, oh, this is going to be, um, fairly, fairly light and fluffy. Nope. Um, we're not going to waffle on too much, but yeah, there, there will definitely be spoilers. So just bear that in mind, uh, and just come back and give us a listen once you've given it a watch. And then what we'll do is, uh, uh, Mark and I will probably see this another time. So when we've had our Christmas break, which I'll come on to in a second, we'll do another review, which will be a little bit more, uh, a bit of a deep dive, a bit more in depth and stuff. Uh, so we'll do that. So just bear in mind one more time, there will be spoilers, in this first reactions uh, podcast episode. Uh, and talking of the Christmas break, Mark and I will not be here for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to take a well-earned Christmas and New Year's break. So uh, the next time that you'll hear from us will probably be, where are we? Uh, it will be Saturday the, Saturday the 11th of January. That will be our next show. So we're in a couple of weeks off for the end of the year. And uh, before we get cracking one more time, head over to patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion if you want to support the show, if you like what we do here. Uh, we just um, had a, a new uh, Patreon jump on board. So a big shout out to our friend, Sean. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I think you were a Patreon 
uh, supporter previously, and then you've upped your your tier, I believe. So that's really, really cool. So thank you so much for doing that, mate. Very much appreciated. And thank you to all our other patrons as well. Uh, your support is... Uh, is really much uh, appreciated. So, yeah, if you like what we do here, patreon.com forward slash Spark of Rebellion. We're on the socials as well, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion and you'll find us on there. Right. Let's dive into the rise of Skywalker. First off, out the traps then, I'm going to ask you for your one-line review, dude. And I'll give you mine. What's your... Your, the, if someone said to you just really quickly, I need a, a three-second answer, one sentence, what did you think of it? Based on gut reaction only, and mm-hmm. this is this will likely change later, my first reaction would be some amazing pieces, some amazing parts, but overall, a little bit dud. Oh. Oh, oh. no. What's yours? Mine is... Overall, an amazing technical film, but felt a little bit too felt a little bit too fan servicey unnecessarily. I would say. I think um, everybody complained and did their crust when Ryan Johnson took a bunch of risks with the Last Jedi. And everyone said, well, at least with The Force Awakens, we knew what we were getting. We knew it was going to be a, a, they were going to play it safe and we knew it was going to be a bit fan servicey. And now that's come back full circle. This, this, the the latest one by JJ is very fan servicey and stuff, but I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this, dude. I kind of wish there was a tiny weeny bit of Ryan Johnson in there. That might sound crazy. Yeah. No, I'm with you, dude. With you. Do you know what I mean by that? I, th- I feel like, uh, don't get me wrong. It was, in no way was it a bad film at all. In no way was it a bad Star Wars film. It, in any, you know, in, in any respect, it wasn't bad at all. I just feel like there was a little part of me that just, I before I saw it, I thought, I'm going to be really emotional at this. I'm going to be wowed. I'm going to be... And when I leave the cinema, I'm just going to be a bit of a wreck, you know, like the, the whole saga's done, that's Skywalker done and dusted. I'm just going to be, you know, a blubbering idiot. But when I left, I was didn't feel any of that, really. I just felt like it was a great film and it was a great wrap-up, but it just didn't hit me. It didn't hit me in the heartstrings like I thought it was going to, you know. Likewise, man. I, I would even go so far as to say, based on only first reaction, I might watch it again and change my mind entirely. Based on the first watch... I don't think there was any need for the sequel trilogy. I think Return of the Jedi is a far better wrap-up to the entire saga than right, anything right. out of this trilogy. That said, I love The Last Jedi, so I watched that as, as you did yesterday. I watched The Last Jedi, and it was just... I think the biggest like malfeasance with it was just that... The, like, if you're going to do fan service, go go deep. Don't just skim it, which is what they did. Like, if you're going to do it really do it. And at least let's just see it for what it is. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, I feel like what they tried to do was serve the fans, but also kind of not at the same time. Like it's it's almost like they tried to dodge criticisms from both films, but because both other films prior to it, Force Awakens and Last Jedi, were so far apart, they were so polarizing for fans, by not by worrying about not wanting to get the same criticism for either of them, they've not activated anyone. They've just not activated anyone. Everyone is just in... Like, for me, I just felt nothing. That's not to say some of the set pieces, like, technically, and lightsaber battles and, um, you know, cool moments, there's there's a pile of them that are outstanding. And I mean some outstanding stuff. But if you're going to do fan service, at least do fan service. Yeah. Because they only skimmed it. They really only skimmed it. Um, and the worst thing for me, genuinely, honestly, all the way through it, in fact, I'll tell you the two things, the, wor- the worst thing and the best thing. The worst thing was the Emperor. And the best thing was Jedi Ben. All day long. Jedi they, Ben, for me, yep. Yeah, they were the two. Because see, 
Like he was pretty badass as Kylo Ren, but when he became a Jedi, he was instantly more badass. Like even to when he got the lightsaber from Rey and he just, now he's like, he gives him a little shrug. Like, well, now you fucked. <laughs> that was great. That bit. Yeah, it was. And then he, and then you saw him smile at the end, which was the first time out of three films he smiled. And that was magic. Mm. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I think you nailed it. I think it just, you don't feel anything. And I think that's been the problem with the whole trilogy. Um, you don't feel anything. We talked about it before, haven't we? You know, we don't, no one cares about Ray as much as they care for Luke and Leia. That's, that's it, sadly. Yeah, indeedy. It's all about, don't mean to sound corny here or anything, but Star Wars is definitely, uh, star, well, previous Star Wars films have definitely left you with a feeling of something, you know, whether you felt happy or sad or whatever it might be, or you felt like something's really cute. I mean, that's why The Mandalorian works really well. How many times, especially when the Return, when Return of the Jedi first came out, and then the decade since then, how many times have you heard people say, oh, the Ewoks, they're either really annoying or they're really cute. You know, you've had that thing. But with these new films, they kind of, they tried to do that with the Porgs, I suppose, uh, but didn't really kind of pay off to the same degree. But if you think about the Mandalorian with the, the child, everyone's, everyone's gone back to that OT vibe where there's something really cute and really you know, something emotionally that you can, emotionally you can latch onto. Um, and the sequel trilogy just hasn't served, I mean, that's just one example of many, but the sequel trilogy just hasn't served up that something that you're like, I, I don't get me wrong, I feel like they've tried really hard to do that. I think that's maybe where some of the, some of the issues might lie is that when you couple that with being fan servicey, I think you you come across as being you're trying too hard to force something, excuse the pun, onto people. And I think they've tried to do that with Ray more than anything. They've tried to make Ray this very uh, this character that kind of embodies all the the essence of all the original characters, the OT characters in one person. Um so yeah, I mean we'll get we will get on this not gonna be a too negative review. We'll get on to some to some good stuff, but I think you and I are aligned on this one, dude. I think it's, and also the other thing is that I really feel like they try to do too much in the the time that they had. It's going to sound really stupid, but if this was based on a book, like the Harry Potter films, this would definitely be two parts. You know, like the Harry Potter series in the last book, they had to separate that into two films because there was just too much to go through and, and, and to get through. So I think if this was a uh, based on a, like three books that had been out years ago, this would be four films based on three books, I think. And it was just like, boom, 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 like one, like one scene after the other, like speed running through the whole freaking storyline and stuff. And like you said, with the emperor that had a negative uh, feeling because I don't know how you feel about the Emperor, but when we saw him in, especially Return of the Jedi, there was a, there was no, this is going to sound really weird. I'm tr tr trying my best to explain this, but there was no, there was no glass wall in front of him. So when he's talking and the way that that was shot and the, the dialogue and the interactions, you actually felt like, like, holy shit, this guy is like the embodiment of evil, you know? Whereas the way that they shot him in this one, you never the, the camera never focuses long enough on his face and his expressions and there's like this crazy lightning lighting going on all the time and stuff and you see him like you either see him like at a distance you see like this little tiny body hanging from this big thing or like his face is on camera close up for like 3 seconds so there's no it feels like there's a glass wall in front of what you're trying to connect with so yeah like you mentioned the worst thing was the emperor. I totally agree with you. I think they just rushed him into it, like shoehorned him in and rushed him through. And I just didn't feel any connection with him. Like he's way different to the emperor that we knew back in the OT for good reason. But you know, there's just not enough time to fully appreciate what's going on. If you think I'm waffling here, you can appreciate if you think about the OT, there's so many scenes where there's just nothing happening on screen. 
There's just a slow camera pan. John Williams' music is just filling you up with emotion. You totally get it. There's that lovely just sense of of just taking in everything that's going on. With this film, though, like, no, no, no. Like, you hear all the little themes. You hear all the themes coming back through his score, but you can't appreciate it. There's no, there's no time. There's no time to take it all in and have that Star Wars-y feel and stuff. It's all just like, right, cut, next one, cut, next one, bosh, bosh, bosh. Yeah, it was, it was very quick, dude. You can't appreciate anything. Yeah. I think that's a really good way of putting it, man. And you really articulated that well. You, that's that's the essence of the problem is you can't appreciate anything. And it, you know, the, a couple of things that, that just sprung to my mind as you were talking then were number one, yeah, the, the Emperor was was a, a, a funny one. It's, it's almost like they had the intent from the get-go and then Ryan Johnson came along and went, what about if we try this? And they were like, right, it's a risk, but we're going to, we're going to do it. And then when they decided they didn't like it, they were like, oh, no, no, like this first 20 minutes. No, this is what we, you know, the last jet, that's what we meant. No, that's <laughs> what we meant. Like that should have been the last Jedi. If they, if they wanted to go, and, and but I don't even think that would be as good a story. I think they could have done something with Kylo, with the Emperor in the last Jedi to set this up. Like if they're going to do it, do it. And it was, the, the the emperor was so underserved because he was reduced to a hammer house, just horror shop, and yeah, all right, you know the new planet. I forget its name. Something like I don't know, Ez, Ez something. I forget what it's called. Um, Exegol, I think. Exegol or something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And yeah, all right, it's in the unknown regions. Let's assume and blah de blah de blah. I get it. I get it. I get it. You spent thirty years building a new fleet. Fine, whatever. Crack on. <laughs> but. It had that kind of Malachor feel, that kind of, um, you know, that kind of uh, a, a Sith feel to it, which I know it was supposed to have. But the problem is, unless you're a book nerd, you don't really know what Sith is. You don't really know anything about the Sith. All you see is this real, for nine films, well, actually, for three films in the prequels, you see this clever slow burn, manipulative, charming, just sociopathic mental nut job, slowly chess playing himself around the galaxy to manipulate these two force users. And then in the, in the original trilogy, the second, the second set of films chronologically, his presence is felt. You know, it's his might that goes unseen. And he's more ominous for that. Because you don't see him, then when you do see him, like you said, he embodies evil, tries to turn Luke. Anakin's there, he's like, ah, ah, kiddo's here, this is my this is my kid. Like, you know, it's like that guy off Elf, don't, don't, don't tell my kid what to do. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's it's that kind of, it's that sort of, um, that culmination of the character. And then, suddenly, out of nowhere, he comes in, and he doesn't really care about the Republic, he doesn't really care about power. It seems all he wants to do is bring the Sith back, that the connection with the audience is just not there. The audience don't know what the Sith really is. And also, he wants to blow up everything that he spent all that time trying to rule. Surely, yeah, I get it. He wants people to back down because the, the, the worlds are going to be destroyed. But... What a terrible plan, because the people on these planets, you know, these death, uh, these star destroyers that have now got this planet-killing technology, which I assume is from uh, Operation Cinder-style stuff, the satellites, it's, oh, look at that. That's a first order star destroyer. That can't do anything to our planet, apart from cause a little bit of eruption, because it's got a few battalions of stormtroopers on. We get it, but we don't have to back down. So his plan's crap. <laughs> like, his plan is crap. Like, at least with the Death Star, it was like, that's no moon. Whereas this is just like, that's one of the, that's one of the Star Destroyers from the last 60 years of our lives. That seems fine. So it's just this, it was, it was just really undid a lot of good about the Emperor. Um, <clears throat> he reminds me of, like, Mick Jagger. So he spent all this time doing great. In fact, no, I'll tell you a better version of that. Paul McCartney, a lot of respect for, for the guy. Love the Beatles, but he should have retired 20 years ago. 
You oh, know? I see, like, yeah. Yep. Don't undo everything that you've done by doing one last gig that is the last thing you'll be remembered for. Yeah. And like, that's what they did with the Emperor for me. Yeah. It's like Phil Collins, his last tour will well, be known as him by. just sat down. Yeah, well, well, well stamp. I mean, Phil's, Phil's a good guy. I mean, uh, he's, oh, he's a legend. He fell. Don't get me wrong. He fell, but, man. He fell. But Could you, all right, are well, you going to beat a bathroom floor up? No. <laughs> what I mean is, Phil Collins, did, <laughs> Phil Collins did a tour. I think it was back in like 2001, yeah. 1999, called the Farewell Tour. Mm. And it was amazing. It was like one of the best concerts ever. And then when you compare that to him, like hobbling out with a walking stick, sat on a chair, you know, barely hitting some notes, you know, anyways. No, uh, I get that, man. And it's, it just feels like they didn't, it didn't understand the characters overall. And no, no. It's, I didn't mind Luke in The Last Jedi. I get why people had a bit of uh, attitude with it, but his attitude had changed so much from The Last Jedi in this film where it was like, you know, all that stuff I said, I know I came back at the end and inspired this galaxy of people, which let's get to that in a sec, but <laughs> I inspired this galaxy of people. So I get now that you're going to do the Jedi thing and I'm just going to be here. But you remember that last film a year ago? <laughs> I was just joking. All that, like I was just joking. Like you should definitely be a Jedi. <laughs> definitely be a Jedi. Like the Jedi have got this. And you know, all those people that like I said were just living in hubris and let all the bad stuff happen you should definitely like embody them all because that would absolutely fix everything. everything. So it was like, yeah. they just went, yeah, we feel like you should, if you, okay, if the Jedi are dead, that's cool. Do something new, become something new. Let's respect the Jedi order. Let's move forward with it. But it didn't, he just went, aha, let's just go back to what we were. So that's all good. Mm -hmm. Just crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was saying earlier. It's, um, it's just damage control based off of the complaints from The Last Jedi to a degree. It was like, instead of them just standing by the guns, like, and like we understand that a lot of you didn't like The Last Jedi and you didn't really, you weren't really into how they changed Luke's character to a degree and that was very unexpected. We're going to continue that. No, you know, you've complained, so here's the fix. But unfortunately, when you do that, all you're doing then is just diluting the effect that that had in The Last Jedi, you're basically saying, it's kind of underhanded a little bit as well. It's like Kathleen Kennedy and JJ saying, because in interviews, they always say, this is quite crafty, they always say, yeah, Ryan Johnson, we loved what he did, loved what he did with The Last Jedi and with Luke and everything, it's amazing. But then their work and what they've produced uh, doesn't really reflect what they're saying in interviews. What they're kind of doing is like, yeah, you kind of screwed it, mate. You know, you, you cause so much backlash. It's now our job to fix that. When I don't think that's really what the approach they should have taken. They should have said, okay, wait, well, you know, still made like a lot of money, <laughs> you know, as a film. It's not going to go anywhere. It's still part of the trilogy. Let's just carry that on and, and, and tell our own story. Let's not spend 30% of the new film trying to fix that old one. Sorry, the previous one. When, you know, it just seems counterproductive to me. They could have spent that time developing a more deeper story and a deeper connection with some of these characters. I mean, just on the Palpatine thing as well, how quickly did they, um, did they, uh, tell us the, the parentage and stuff for Ray? It's like freaking hell. That was, if there's anything that you were going to save until like the cliff, like the, the, the finale, the conclusion, it, it would be that, like for the last two films, the big question that everyone's had on their mind is, who is Ray? Who are her parents? And they've kind of gone into stealth mode with that and they've not revealed it. But within like 20 minutes, Kylo Ren's like, by the way, you're a Palpatine. Uh, and if when I looked around in the cinema, everyone was like that. Holy, holy shit. It's like, but the impact was not there. Like that holy shit moment was like 10 seconds. It's like, why not leave that until the big build-up, the big finale, the crescendo of everything, you know? It's like, oh man, that massive thing that you've been, that you've been kind of babysitting along for two films. You've now just flippantly in a throwaway conversation like, oh yeah, by the way, you're a Palpatine. That kind of diluted Palpatine's presence and his need to be in a film as well, did. Christ. And he, he definitely diluted Ray as well. You're totally right. And, I mean, 
You spent two films building up Ray as this light side force user. And then you throw in at the last minute that she's a Palpatine and expect us to believe she's going to go bad. And or reignite the Sith to save your friends. I, I see what they were trying to do. It was it was an echo back to Luke in Empire where it's like, you know, do this to save your friends, blah, blah, blah. You got to leave to save your friends or they're going to die and blah. Like it was, the, it was tenuous at best. Mm -hmm. But there was no Im emotional impact. You knew that wasn't going to happen. You absolutely knew that that was not going to happen. So the punch just never came. And we knew Ben was going to, was going to turn back to the light. You know, we, we, you could see that from a mile off in The Last Jedi when he when he hesitated pulling the trigger uh, on the ship. And it was it was the other tyres that, that blew up the, the, the cruiser. And it's just like they didn't get it. The, the, honestly, the, the thing that was missing from it, as crazy as it sounds, the thing that was missing from this entire trilogy is just George Lucas. That is it. And, and even Dave, even... You know, if you've got someone like Kennedy saying, well, don't do this with the, like the midichlorians and the wills, like don't do that. And the microscopic stuff that you were like, don't do that. Like we aren't going to sign off on that. Here's your trilogy, George. You can do what you want, except for that one. What else you got? It would have been, and at least, at least have Dave Filoni doing more. At least have Dave Filoni doing more. Yeah. Because it yep. just felt disconnected. Yeah. I mean, they've been the master storytellers for like since the beginning, not Filoni, but you know, they, they handed Filoni off all the stuff for like the animated stuff. And that's so good. Like the bulk of the Clone Wars is so good. And then Rebels was so good as well. So he's like the, and you can absolutely see why they brought him in on the Mandalorian. And you can, you can see his influence on, you know, on that show. So you're right. Why they didn't bring him in. And at least, and maybe they did make us Kathleen Kennedy was in an interview a couple of weeks ago. And she said that she does chat to Dave Filoni a lot about like most things. She runs a lot of things by him, but he's not credited as like a producer or uh, a writer or anything like that. And I think maybe it needed a bit of that. I reckon it needed a, you're absolutely right. It needed a little bit of George Lucas. What it needed is George Lucas, Ryan Johnson, Dave Filoni, uh, John Favreau, and JJ in a room together. And it's like, right, all of us have come up with every bit of Star Wars in the mainstream since it began. What the hell are we going to do with this new trilogy? That's, I, that should have happened. Instead of just like, oh, thanks, George, but see you later. And who's that Dave? Oh, he's, a, he's the cartoon guy. We'll leave him out of it for now. Let's bring, you know, crikey. <laughs> I really wanted this is, to be a positive review as well, but it's like. I'm sure, yeah. I mean, there were positives in it. And I'm sure we'll get to them in a sec, but <laughs> the, I think it's, there's just that much that sits on the fence. The fan service is not deep enough. If you're going to do it, go deep. If you're not going to do it, we're all right with that, but let us have a good, good, good story. And let's spend some time with that story. Like we're fine with either way. It's all good. Last Jedi barely had anything except Yoda. <laughs> and you know, that that's fine. Just let us, let us just do that. You know, it, it, it just didn't feel, it just didn't feel like there was any punch to it. Like why did Ray go back to Tatooine? How did she even know where <laughs> they lived? Well, that was going to be one of my better things about, closing off the the whole thing it was a you and i called it actually remember was it last week a week before we said do you reckon we'll see tatooine again but yeah of course we'll see tatooine the the whole thing started there i think it'd be nice to finish it. and I, it was a lovely little moment it was a cool little but that also didn't make much sense to me either don't get me wrong it was a lovely moment it was a a, a really nice nostalgic way to finish everything because that's where it all started when when we saw Luke on Tatooine, and when the, the 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 old woman asks for her name, and she sees the Force, you know, it's all lovely, it's really nice, but that to me is not closing off the Skywalker saga, in my opinion, because if you think about it, Ray's how old? She's in her twenties, isn't she? You know, what's that's how they've closed off Ray's character for the next fifty years at least. She's just going to be living at the homestead doing what? 
Yeah, it's it's you know? a it's a waste. Unless she goes off and she's restarting the Jedi Order, blah blah blah. I mean, I don't think we've seen the last of Ray, no, no, no. Finn and Poe at all, and no. it, it worries me a little bit that. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it worries me a little bit that they've not understood what audiences needed from that. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that character, because that is still a lot of uncharted territory. But from the previous set of characters, the Skywalkers, you know feel like they've just not quite got along with it. And the lack of lack of, of callbacks to Anakin, I know we had all the voices and there were a lot of voices in there, everyone from Mace Windu to Qui-Gon Jinn to Anakin to uh, to Kane and Jarrus and, and Ahsoka. Like, they were all in that Jedi sequence. But there was nothing that connected Rey to any of them. Like, why should she be inspired by Qui-Gon Jinn? Why should she be inspired by Mace Windu. Like, that was the fan service that was amazing in the second that you're like, is that Mace Windu? Is that Ahsoka? But then the second that you give any semblance of thought to it, you're like, oh, wait a second. It would have been better if at least, at least you'd have done something with Anakin and Kylo. You did done something with Luke and Rey. You did done something even, even with, with like, Kenobi, because like Luke mentions it, you know, in The Last Jedi, he says, you know, Anakin, the Darth Vader was trained and failed by a Jedi master. Like he's, even he's shading Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> so for, for the to be, it just feels like there's no, they wanted to bring Yoda, Obi-Wan and Luke and that kind of, that era together. But then the missing, the missing thread is just Rey over here. And they were like, no, but that's the Jedi from the film. So we've got to connect them. And there was no way to connect them because there's no relationship with any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And whilst it it worked in that first 30 seconds of seeing it, you're like, ah, this is pretty cool. When you really get to it, it could have been just so much better. I mean, you know, you, you had Ray, yes, fine, with all the, the Jedi powers, you know, imbued through her lightsabers. And, and she had that pretty cool Ahsoka moment with the, the two lightsabers. But Yoda couldn't do what she did. Like, Yoda could not do what she did, and God damn it, he tried. <laughs> and if Yoda can't do it, then Rey, with all that power in her, is not going to, you know, because then it implies that, well, all the Jedi's talking to me gave me all the power. Or, like, no, nah, he's a fucking MacGuffin. It's just a, it's <laughs> a, isn't it? It's just a, it's just a, a jump, man. It's too, it's, it's just nuts. Yeah. There was a few moments, actually, when I thought, Bloody hell, Ray is OP in this film. It's like she hasn't even finished. If you think when Luke went to Dagobah and he was in, he was doing his training, he cut loose early, didn't he? He went back to, he went to Bespin. And, uh, and we consider Luke to be a fairly, especially when we get to Return of the Jedi, we consider him to be a, a reasonably powerful Jedi, you know, in terms of his use of the Force. Reasonably powerful. Like, Ray hasn't had... Half of that, it feels like, because the only other person that's been training her is Leia. But how much training has Leia had? Because if we go on what we know, and this is the other thing as well, if you're coming into this fresh and your first your first exposure to Star Wars is the sequel trilogy, you don't know anything about Princess Leia from way back. Because if you go on the OT, she had nothing to do with the Force at all. The only one thing she had, or two times that we even thought like, is she even a force user? We don't even know. It's when Luke's hanging off the bottom of Bespin and she's in the Falcon. She's like, you know, she can hear him. And then the other time was, when, uh, I can't remember, there was like two times. So if you don't know anything about the OT or anything, it's like, well, other than her kind of flying through space in The Last Jedi... That's the only exposure she's had, really, to the Force in the sequel trilogy. You don't know how much of that she can pass on to Ray. So it feels like she's had very little in the way of training or self-training, but yet she can do some crazy stuff. Like she, there was a bit that was like they're they're on the uh, um, where was it? Kamiji, Kabiji, Kamiji, Kajimi, Kajimi. Yeah, they're on Kajimi. And the ship's taken off, and she's like bringing the ship down with the <laughs> with the force. I'm like, come on now, come on, 
and then Ben starts doing it and stuff. It's like, that was one of the criticisms of those, um, uh, the Force Unleashed video games, was that as a Jedi, especially in contrast to uh, the recent Jedi Fallen Order video game, whereas like you're a Jedi with a bit more balance and a bit more realism when it comes to your exposures of the Force. With the Force Unleashed, you were just like this crazy powerful you could have beaten Palpatine, Yoda, like in one force push sort of thing. It kind of has that feel to it where it's like, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to be able to bring down a ship with the force at where you are now. You know, so yeah, Ray was really OP at several times, especially towards the end as well. Towards the end, it was like, well, I don't yeah, know. It yeah. was, dude. It was almost like they did that just for set pieces. You know, I will we'll make her be able to do this stuff um, because that's going to make a really cool scene in the movie. Um, and it was, I, I suppose the, the, the explanation away of that is, well, she's a Palpatine, she's naturally great at it. And you're <laughs> like, well, yeah, but Luke is Anakin Chosen One's kid. And let's not even get me started on the Chosen One shit. <laughs> like... Because that, it's like they just forgot the story. It's like they forgot the story. Like, who brings balance to the force? The chosen one. Right, banging. So, <laughs> Snoke, I, I knew that, you know, the light side would bring someone to challenge the dark side in you, Kylo Ren. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No. We're just going to have one Jedi and there'll be no balance, and we're not going to mention it, and the Chosen One stuff, we're going to forget all about that. It's all good. They won't remember, you know? It's <laughs> they like remember. They don't remember. It's, I, it, it, this is why I get so frustrated with it, because it's like they just forgot the story. It's, it, this reminds me of when, you know, you get um, like someone like DC Comics writes this um, amazing comic book series about amazing characters, and then they put films out that are just, oh, the only thing they've got that resembles the character is because they're wearing a similar coloured suit. And it's like you've, it's like having a left side of your brain and a right side of the brain that just does not exist in the same head. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that's just what's happened. It's nuts. Having said that, what about the good stuff? Let's spend a bit of time on the good stuff. Yeah, the good stuff. So some good things for me where I feel like Finn and Poe had a much beefier story to get their teeth into i felt like finn was sidelined quite a bit in the last jedi he was sent off on a bit of a a wild goose chase if you like and he had one decent scene i suppose and that was when he was fighting phasma but that only lasted like 20 seconds uh, the rest of the time he wasn't really doing much and poe i feel like he was a bit of an asshole in the last jedi he came across it just a bit you know you're, you're like the future leader of the resistance you know once leia pops it you're going to be the guy, pretty much. Uh, and he was a bit of an arsehole. So I think in this one, though, they... And that was... A, the overall connection between those characters as well was a, was a, a step in the right direction. It wasn't perfect, because I felt like they were they were squabbling quite a lot throughout the film. But you could see that the, the, the message they were trying to get across... Like, there was a few times where they were going to go off and do several things, but one of them was like, nope, we do this together. You know, we're in this together this we're a family or a friendship whatever it is so that was cool and they had a bit more to do and there was a bit more maturity in their in their performance and what they had to do so i thought they had a, a better film this time around a bit more to do i feel like um uh the way that they incorporated carrie fisher into the film was actually really good we said this a couple of weeks ago that their story leaked that some people who were working on the film were like this is crazy good. Like the way that we've been able to do it, it's like uncannily realistic and really good. So they did actually pull that off. I reckon that was a good, a really good way of, of bringing those deleted scenes into the, into film. So that was, that was really good. And they didn't over egg the pudding either. They didn't like, look, the guys at ILM are like brilliant at this stuff. Let's do another few scenes. It was like, no, you know, it was a good story for her. And that was actually quite emotional. One of the things I did find really emotional actually was when, Maz is standing over Leia's body with the sheet over it. And she says something like, uh, goodbye, our princess or something like that. That was really nice. That was a lovely, uh, little thing. And then it was really cool when her body fades away and Ben's body fades away into the force. Yeah, that was all nice stuff. And so that was good. And then just lastly, um, 
visually, in terms of cinematography and effects, it's one of the best looking films I think I've seen in the last few years. I would say it's like amazing to look at. You can't argue with their production quality and, and all that stuff. Cinematography, it's just beautifully shot. Really, really nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that, dude. The the uh, the cinematography, every, everything was very well considered um, when it came to how they had structured stuff and, and um, composed a lot of the shots, especially around. I liked some of the, the, the wet Death Star scenes, uh, mm. a lot of that kind of um, grit and grime side of things. I liked a lot inside the Death Star when it was a callback to the inside the Star Destroyer in Jakku. Um, there was a lot of that that I quite enjoyed. Um, and I quite liked the contrast between you know, some of the brighter worlds, the darker worlds, how they've really gone a little bit deeper. You know, we talked about like there's a, a lack of critters and creatures in this one. It's like they tried to fix that by being like, oh, look, now we're on this Pasana, Pasana planet, whatever it is. Look, here's a little species of critter that you've not seen. It, that felt very OT, mm-hmm. um, which was quite nice. I think for me, some of the, the good things were, I liked the Han solo bit. I liked that. It was a little bit Jonathan Kent. Um so I'm always a fan of, of that, you know, when it comes to a pivotal point for a central character like that, making a big change and a big decision that will affect that characterization. I'm always a fan of that kind of memory callback or, you know, something like that. So I liked how they did that. Um, a pleasant surprise to see Harrison Ford back for that because uh, I think they kept that under wraps pretty nicely. They did, oh, actually. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. Well impressed. I liked some of the stuff with the fleet. I enjoyed seeing the ghost there from Rebels, which I think r- opens the door right back up for the Ahsoka and the Harrison Duller storyline from the end of Rebels. Um, that's the first time we've seen that ship um, post-Return of the Jedi. I think we've seen it in... Sorry, maybe it was mentioned in a few places, like in Aftermath and, and some of the other stuff, but we've never really... It's never been acknowledged that Ahsoka and so on was still out there. Um, I was curious about some of the... The new force powers, you know, like the ability to switch the lightsaber around the back um, and, and a few of those things. I don't know if that was a, whether it was just him um, force summoning that and we just saw it off camera. We didn't see that. It was just him force summoning it and Ray just understanding it and letting it go, which I think is the cooler version mm-hmm. or whether it was something in the force that tr- made it transfer. I feel like it was the Laticus that established yeah. that early on. Mm-hmm. Um and I also, it was interesting how they put the Mandalorian out the day before Rise of Skywalker came out, which spoilers for the Mandalorian, huge, huge spoilers for the Mandalorian. So I'm telling you straight, spoilers for episode seven <laughs> of the Mandalorian. They showed Baby Yoda healing Apollo Creed. And um, you, then obviously in the Rise of Skywalker, that's a big plot point that the Force can now heal. I feel like the Mandalorian was intended to set a, a force president uh, precedent chronologically for that mm-hmm. so that people couldn't be like no 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 this has never been seen before and it's actually well actually you know 25 years ago this little kid did it um <laughs> so i feel like they're trying to get the chess pieces but the be- like i said earlier the best thing about this for me the the, the number one up for me was jedi ben like yeah. instant badass motherfucker like no fear Straight in the first, and what interested me was how he, when he first jumped onto the chain to get down that, you know, that big chasm to follow Ray. If you think about when he got shot with Chewie's bowcaster, he was like, ooh, a little bit, and just carried on going. You know, he's, he's been, he's been um, just mauled several times, and he's never really shown any pain, but with that, he jumped and he landed, and he was like, ooh, yeah, ooh, which I thought was a really interesting switch in characterization. Um showed the humanity coming back. And then when he took the Knights of Ren down and just had that attitude with the lightsaber, when he pulled the lightsaber from his back and he was just, like I said earlier, he was just, <laughs> all right, let's do this. <laughs> um, like that was one of the most badass Jedi moments I think I've ever seen. Um, just so good. And then when he, uh, it sounds so cheesy and corny, I sound like my mum. But when he finally smiles at the end, you're just like, okay, that I didn't realise that we needed to see that, but now we've seen it. He's a different guy. He's a different guy. And it's, yeah, he's killed a lot of people. But then, you know, Anakin got away with it in the end. So it's all good. We can forgive that. Yeah. And Anakin killed younglings on top. So let's not forget. It's like doubly bad. Exactly. I, can't, I don't think Ray's killed. Uh, sorry. I don't think Kylo Ren's killed kids. 
So no, probably he probably has. He'll just not know it, will he? Bless him. Just he had his it, mask yeah. on. Maybe those but, little uh, kids at the end of the Last Jedi. Maybe you track them down. So I, I, I've, I've heard that you can move a few rooms around. In my <laughs> world, we call that the Force, and this is a lightsaber. Bosh, in your face. Prefer a flan. Okay, let's let's dig into two more things that just cropped up while we were thinking. Which one do you want to, do you want to go for the one that's likely to annoy me the most or the one that calls back to the trailers? Um I'm intrigued on your annoyance. What's what's annoyed you? Dominic Bornahan. <laughs> Why is he even in the film? I defended Bec- him as well. He was shit. Yeah. He didn't do anything and not only that, right? Rose imagine a world where Disney has one of their lead actors in one of their films, The Last Jedi, get that much abuse that she comes off social media. So the next film that they put her in, in that installment, in that entire saga, they pretty much cut her out and bring Dominic Bornahan in to do her job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what happened, isn't it? Well, we kind of knew that he wasn't going to have like a big role anyway. We, we kind of knew that he was just going to be one of those supporting cast characters, but... I think the film would have done perfectly fine without his scenes in it. Like he didn't, he didn't contribute anything to move the plot forward. There wasn't anything that relied on him to do really. So I defended him as well because I'm, I'm such a fan of his performance in the Lord of the Rings films. You know, he's great in those, but no talking. It feels like a, it just feels like a, they just responded the wrong way to the Rose character. It's like they were just thought, nah, we can't, we're Disney, we don't want any of that criticism. Let's just, let's pretend she's not here and just let's bring Dominic Bornahan in from Drive Shaft. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> remember that. Um, what's, the just, other, what's the other thing then? You said there was something that annoyed you. And no, no, no. I want to spend more time on Bornahan. Oh, crap. Here we go. Go on. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I just... It's not, it's not born, and I'm sorry about this, Dominic, if you're listening, but if you want to come on the show and we can chat it through, but it's more how a corporation like Disney has handled this situation with um, Kelly Marie Tran and then just pretty much cutting her from the film. It just, it feels like they just forgot about the relationship with her and Finn. Right. Yes. The other thing, which completely frustrated the crap out of me, the trail, we knew, I said to Kieran, I said, Kaif, big Kaif, what's cracking? What we're saying, the trailers, all the stuff that we see in the trailers is going to be out of the way in the first half hour. And it pretty much was. But let's talk. We could, we can get on board with Dark Side Ray being a bit of a Dark Side Cave vision. We can get on with that. That's all good. I understand that. C3PO, man. <laughs> what a waste of an emotional gut punch from the trailers. Like. Yep, yep. Wasn't it? Did Is this just me being like a cynical old sod? No, no, no. That could have been another... Oh, mate. So in the trailer, it, and I know you can't go off trailers. That's, you know, you have to take that out of... Trailers are not in context with what's going on in the film most of the time. So we, we, we couldn't, we, we can't really bank 100% on on that emotional payoff. But the trailer implied, the trailer implied that C-3PO was saying goodbye for, he was about to do something crazy. Like when we saw his red eyes, everybody thought that he was going to be some kind of badass Sith droid for a minute, or he was going to have some connection with Kylo Ren or the Emperor or something like that. And it just turns out that, yeah, he's just having his memory wiped, you know? But the trailer made it feel like there was going to be this massive emotional wallop and we were going to, like he was about to be destroyed or blown up or something. And that was the last time we were going to see him in the saga. But no, he's just, you know, done what he needed to do. I don't get it wrong. They, they was, it was cool that they, they included him a bit more in this film because he's been very light so far. He's just popped up in the, the odd scene and stuff. So it's cool that they've given him a bit more to do. But yeah, the, the trailer's a, a better scene than the film. <laughs> it's true, man. And it's it's bizarre because there's precedent in the comics. Dr. Aphra has a protocol droid, a C3 unit, 
that has got red eyes and is absolutely psycho. I th- honestly thought that's where they were going to go. Like, okay, if I do this Sith language thing, it's going to screw with me somehow. <laughs> and I'm going to go, I'm gonna, just going to go loco. Like, you need, <laughs> po- you need a blaster on me, dude. Because if you turn me back on, it's like when they pull Arnie's chip out in T2. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't go loco. It was just like, oh, this is my new friend. He's my oldest friend, Babu Frick. Yeah, we get it. He's cute. We don't need you anymore, though. Cute guy. It's cool. You're cute. I get it. He was very but cute, wasn't he? He was very cute. But the, but the worst thing about it, the worst thing about it, like R2 kicking off, I thought was genius. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean you're my best friend? And R2 just going, again, him going like a bit skits on it, I thought was brilliant. But... Then, then it just turns out that R2's got a backup of his memories and just brings him back to normal. So there was no consequence to it. No, no. And that's the, that's the thing that's hard. That's the thing that you, you, you can't wrap your head around. It's like if you're going if, if to commit to these uh, story-making decisions, if, you, if, you know, if, you're gonna, if, you're, if you're sat there and you've got the story group and you've got the script and you're working it all out and stuff... If you're going to commit to these big decisions, in this case, you know, it could be that 3PO's getting his ass kicked or he's going to turn crazy psycho Sith droid. If you're going to commit to that stuff, then do it and follow through and do it properly. And that's the problem that we've had with Palpatine, I think, is that he's essentially no more than a than a puppet. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's nobody pulling his strings, but he's essentially just a floating puppet that, says a few lines, zaps a couple of people, and then he's gone. It just doesn't feel like a threat, does he? No, 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 no. So I'm totally with you on 3PO, man. I feel it. I feel like it's a massive waste of much. And I think that's the thing, the crux of the matter. Like you said right at the beginning, you know, if you're going to do fan service, then do fan service properly. You know, if you're going to do it, do it properly. And I think they just skim the surface and just try to rush it all through for no reason. There was no reason to, to do that. You know, we didn't no. have to have. And also if you're going to do it properly, then bring them all fricking back, get, you know, Hayden Christensen, get him in as a force ghost, get Obi-Wan in as a force ghost. You and McGregor, he could have put on the robes, get the fricking band back together. Let's have a big fricking force fight off. Let's get them all in. Let's get it rocking and rolling. You know, how cool it would have been for like Palpatine, like zapping everybody with his lightning and then Ray's like this bit where she's knocked out and she doesn't know what to do. And then you see like the force ghosts there and they're going to give Palpatine a bit of jip and then she's going to get up and then Ben's going to join in and it's going to be this freaking epic, massive fight with like fights going on in the real world, in the force world, the whole lot. But no. And then the best character they kill off. It could have Dude, been Ray he, and Ben, like making sweet love in the homestead right now on Tatooine, bringing in some little Force babies. Dude, it, no. he, he was instantly, like I said, the best character of the film. Like the second he turned, I was like, he's one of the best Jedi characters there is ever likely to be because he had everything that Anakin had. He had that whininess. He had that kind of uh, petulance that you know that greed that anger everything that, he, that, that that Anakin had that ran through his blood but he was still alive when he decided that he wasn't going to be like that when he found you know because it's like it's a metaphor for all guys you, you're a bit petulant till you get to 30 and then you're like wait a sec this is stupid and then you become like a decent person and it just <laughs> like you know what I mean you, you know what I mean like most men generally follow that kind of you kick and scream a little bit until you get to a certain age and then you just mature and it, it you see it in so many people and like Anakin embodied that. And so did Kylo Ren, but he was a lot and he was so badass and he had the attitude and he was friendly and he was just a human being for like a minute. And you could see it coming as well. You could see it could have been a massive payoff because when Han sees him on the ship and they have that moment, that's when you think, ah, is he going to go back to the light? Is he going to go back based on this conversation that's just happened? He might do. There's no guarantee, but you could see it in his face that he was, you know, he was up for it for going back to the light. And uh, yeah, they could have been, 
they could, yeah. Because I don't think it closes off everything as much as they said it was going to. Because I think, like you said, there's tons more story to tell for Ray. Loads more. And Finn, you know, all of them. But there could have been, a, like, if they hadn't have killed Ben off, then that would have been there. That would have been Disney's further billion dollar movies in like 20 years time. You know, that's that was their nest egg. That's Bob Iger's nest egg in, in 10, 15, 20 years time, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. Because now they've got to, I think fans are going to kick off about this. I think fans are going to kick off. And I think it's a different argument to The Last Jedi where people just didn't like the direction. So nostalgia, I don't think, plays a part in it. And sure, you know, you and me have our opinions on, yeah, it'd have been amazing to see a Force Ghost throwdown. That, and I agree wholeheartedly, that would have been badass and should have probably been in there. But that is just, that's us as nostalgic fans wanting something really cool. Um, and and it, it is. But I think if you look at it objectively as as a as, as a fan of Star Wars, but also as someone just naturally watches movies, it just it's just not very well put together. Sadly. No. I think to close this out, dude, I think it's a case of it was on its way to greatness. You know, it's kind of the ingredients were there all the elements, all the chess pieces, they were all like, when they first started it, JJ's like, I'm like a, I've got the best job in the world. I've got all these amazing elements. I've got Palpatine coming back. I know what I'm going to do with Ben, Kylo. I know what I'm going to do with all this stuff. But then it gets to like 70% and then just comes back again. And then it goes to 70% comes back again. And you're just one in that that 30% just to smash you in the face at some point, but it never quite, it never materializes. And then it just comes back. You know, I hope I'm making sense there. It's almost yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So I think to close it out for me, mate, it's it, don't get me wrong. It's a good film. It is a good film. It's not the worst of the star Wars films of all nine. I'm going to say that, but I think it's a massive missed opportunity on several levels. I would say. What about you to close it out? Absolutely agree. I think it the, the idea was there. Everything, like you said, the ingredients were there. It just, it, it, it felt like it was put together by someone that knew a little bit. Last week on the show, you said, you think you know a lot about the Mandalorians. Oh yeah, Boba Fett. You know, where does, but then you realise you don't. It feels like it, this film was written by people that have got that level of knowledge about all of the other characters. Not like, this is where these sagas really matter. You know, it's why the Dark Knight saga, regardless of what you think of Dark Knight Rises, which is it gets better the older you get, in my view, um, it's why Nolan had a vision. And it's why it's why the original Star Wars worked. It's why the prequels are getting love these days, because ultimately each chapter makes the book better. These, it's like someone stuck a leaflet in the book. <laughs> you just, you can read it if you want, but you don't have to. Yeah. And I, I think that's what it is, dude. Um, having said that, we are going to watch it again. So when we come back after our little Christmas hiatus, I'll be very keen to see what we've noticed. There's a heck of a lot more that we've not gone into. Things like Finn's potential force sensitivity. Tons of little bits like that. So I'm looking forward to digging back into that. I can see us probably doing two or three episodes on this. Um, but as a first reaction, man, I think we're uh, I think we're in the same boat, aren't we? I think so, man. Yeah, we've got loads more to, to, to crash into. We've got General Hux, what happened with him. Um, the other guy, um, the, the new sort of general that they brought in for the first order, uh, all the stuff around the final order, Palpatine's bigger plan, um, which didn't quite pay off all the other it stuff. It just sounded a bit off that. Sorry to jump in, but that wouldn't it have been better if you just said, bring him back the empire, which has got gravitas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The empire <sighs> rather than the fight. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Anyway, like you said, there's loads more to dig into. I'm hoping that's, um, and it's actually, I've, I didn't think we would go on in a negative way like that, dude. I honestly thought that we would be like, yeah, there's a couple of little bits, but yeah, we're on the same page as usual, man. It's nuts that actually. Yeah, you're right. Because it just, it's, 
we, we did go quite negative quite quickly and then stayed there, didn't we? <laughs> it got but, dark, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did. It just, that, that has surprised me as well, looking back at that. So let us know what you think, though, if you're out there. Tweet, give us a little tweet. Hit us up on the socials. Search for Spark Rebellion. Let's engage in a discussion. And because uh, this is going to divide fans, man, just as much as The Last Jedi, I reckon. For sure, man. Yep. And let's wrap there for episode 37. So that was episode 37. Thank you so much for sticking with us and listening as always. Remember to hit us up on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just do a search for Spark or Rebellion. You'll find us on there. We chat Star Wars and post little tidbits throughout the week. Uh, so it's great to hear your views. And as Mark said, let us know what you think of The Rise of Skywalker. Let's get some uh, conversation happening with that. Uh, thank you so much to Pascal, Sean, Tom, Chris, Regina, and Sean for your support over on Patreon. It's very nice to have you on board. Anyone that wants to support us, just head over to patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. There's loads of tiers that you can jump onto from a dollar upwards. And whatever app you listen to podcasts on, if you could give us a sub on there so you don't miss a show and it lands every weekend. And if you've got a minute for a review, that would be amazing because that helps us out loads and loads. Uh, next week and the week after, we're not going to be here. We're going to have our Christmas and New Year break. We'll be back the week after that with some more Rise of Skywalker chat. It's been really interesting and quite dark. <laughs> um, first thoughts on this one, bud. So it's uh, it's been cool to catch up and hear your initial thoughts, man. Yeah, always good, man. I, I was uh, I was looking forward to this one. It was it was it's, it's been a long time coming, and I was interested to see because you come definitely from an original trilogy perspective a little bit more than me, and I'm sort of uh, the new extended universe and, and, and a little bit more prequely um, as my first proper exposure to Star Wars. So I thought we were going to be maybe on slightly different pages with this one, but we are bang on the same page. So yeah, thanks, dude. Thanks for uh, spending some time listening to me rant about Dominic Bornaham. Likewise, <laughs> man. A bit ranty this one. But we will see you in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, take care of yourselves. Have a wonderful Christmas, whatever you are doing. Have a good one and a happy new year. And we will see you uh, next time. And may the force be with you always. <laughs>